0: This is another episode of the Casual Criminalist Podcast. I am your host, Simon. What happens here is Callum has put me together a script today. The Great Canadian Maple Syrup Heist, which I have to say, given the last couple of videos that I've recorded, which involved all sorts of brutal, horrible murder and serial killing, I have to say it's kind of nice to return to what I assume is a relatively non violent heist video. I mean,. I know everyone listening is like, oh, Simon, I just wanted another murder video. Why is there not more murder videos? Well, uh, there will be soon, I'm sure. But for now, (sighs) we're taking a little breather. We're doing a heist. It's going to be nice. Oh, I should also mention Jen. (laughs) Come on. And our wonderful producer thank you she does the music and if you watch this as a video show of course this show is available as a podcast and a video uh, she does the graphics and all of that stuff and the music did i say that look okay let's just get into the show shall we after i've said please leave a review please leave a like make sure you're subscribed let's go In July 2012, Inventory Inspector Michel Gavreau and I will use this point to apologize for all of the uh, butchered French pronunciations that are coming up, uh, uh, I, French Canadians, I'm sorry, entered a nondescript warehouse in the small Quebec town of St Louis de Blanfort or St Louis de Blanfort, I don't know, did in Canada, do they pronounce all the French towns in the French way, like St Louis de Blanford? or St. Louis de Blandford. I don't know. I'm just going to read them the English way, or the French way, depending on how the mood strikes me. Grazie. A sterile industrial cavern filled with 16,000 white metal barrels. Each of them had a volume of 54 gallons and a value somewhere around the $1,500 to $2,000 USD mark. So what was in these pricey barrels? Oil, some rare whiskey, actual liquefied gold? No, 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 better than any of that. And obvious to anyone who's read the title of today's episode. This warehouse was actually packed full of $30 million of primo pancake dressing. Authentic Quebecois, Quebecois, Quebecois maple syrup. Monsieur Gavreau belonged to the trade organization tasked with managing the incredibly profitable syrup industry in Quebec, which was about to experience a pretty stark supply shock that very afternoon. The inspector began his count by climbing on top of the tiered stacks of barrels, like scaling one of the stepped sides of a great pyramid. At its highest point, the barrels stretched up nearly 20 feet high, each weighed about 600 pounds, making it safe enough to clamber around on top of them, but as the inspector neared the summit and reached out for the next handhold, the barrel teetered. It gave out under his weight, and the inspector almost fell backwards, crashing down to terra firma. He managed to grasp onto another barrel just in time. After his life stopped flashing before his eyes, gavro gave the suspiciously light barrel a slap. A hollow sound rang out from inside. He opens the cap to investigate a familiar sticky sweet aroma rose up into the air but inside the barrel was completely empty gavro thought it must have been a mistake someone had clearly loaded an unfilled barrel onto the forklift without realizing someone has tapped those barrels like they have tapped a maple syrup tree and uh, i'll just use this point maple syrup is like the finest thing to put on a pancake i mean just ah But then a thought crossed his mind. He kicked out his leg at another barrel, and it rang with the same hollow metallic chime as the first. So did the next, and so did the next. Not only that, upon closer inspection, several of the barrels, which just climbed up, had a ring of brown rust around the cap. That's when Gavreau realized this probably wasn't some honest mistake, and he was right. In fact, the warehouse had been the target of an elaborate theft, claiming a huge amount of the multi-million dollar hoard of syrup. And after the damage was tallied, the crime would be dubbed the most expensive theft in the country's history. That's incredible. Not maple syrup theft, just theft in general. And of course, the most thoroughly, painfully, blatantly Canadian crime ever committed yeah maple syrup i mean i understand is super expensive like i generally i buy my maple syrup at Lidl. they sometimes have a special deal on maple syrup in Lidl, and because i'm so cheap i'll just go to when i see that's on you know they've got the special deal i'll just go to Lidl, and because maple syrup doesn't really go off i'll buy like three or four bottles of maple syrup and just keep them in the cupboard and then slowly work my way through them until the next deal at Lidl comes on because i can't bring myself to buy like maple syrup at the full price it's really expensive the idea in 2011 a bumper harvest meant that Quebec was awash in sticky sweet liquid gold a huge surplus of maple syrup that year meant that the region had more in its hands than it could hope to sell and the existing warehouses were already filled to the brim since the nine, I feel like that's not a problem in Canada I mean I know it's like a stereotype but they love maple syrup right they have a maple tree wait it is a maple tree leaf on the flag right i'm pretty sure but now i'm doubting myself canadians are gonna be like what are you talking about of course it is or like oh, "It's an oak tree um i feel like they they'd consume that maple syrup come on canada get it together since the 1960s, these stocks have been ma- managed by a regional governing body known as the Grand Co- Council of Maple Whisperers. No, it's not. <laughs> Caleb's having me on. Actually, the proper name is the Foundation of Quebec Maple Syrup Producers, but I think my one sounds better. Agreed. The Grand Council of Maple Whisperers is better. It was their name on the lease when they rented out the new warehouse in the town of Saint Louis de Bloisfort, about 30 minutes away from the main storehouse in Laurierville. Uh, store the overflow that Yeah. this little town of a thousand happened to be the home of a man named avic caron who sensed an opportunity when the sugar trucks came to town and it also just happened that his wife owned a part share in that warehouse in which the federation had just moved those sixteen thousand barrels into it can be hard to resist temptation when you've got the keys to a multi million dollar hoard just sitting on your kitchen table every morning so avic started casually dropping questions like hey babe how was your day by the way by the way just by the way Any idea how many security cameras that warehouse of yours has? I don't know, I feel like it's not that difficult to resist. It's just something I do. When, I mean, yeah, if you're like some petty thief and there's millions of dollars of maple syrup, but when you own the bloody warehouse that it's stored into, aren't you already like, uh, pretty well off, I don't think I need to steal maple syrup. I love stealing things. Zero is the answer, by the way. Zero cameras, zero alarms, and minimal security. The Federation have been in such a rush to find somewhere to store their goods that they were apparently willing to scrimp on security. Or maybe they just thought nobody would be mental enough to try and steal any substantial amount of a goddamn breakfast condiment. People store cash, people store drugs, people store gold. What kind of criminal mastermind steals food? I'm also super curious how they're going to shift this much maple syrup (laughs) like you got 30 million dollars of maple syrup finding and i know what it's called from movies finding a fence who's going to be able to like sell on that maple syrup that sounds difficult although i'm sure they've got a plan the baddies It does seem like an extremely strange target for theft. Why in the hell is this stuff so expensive that it's even worth the attention of would-be thieves like Karen in the first place? Well, that all comes down to the incredibly low-tech way in which authentic maple syrup is produced and the lofty reputation that it has around the world. I'm pretty sure that they tap it from trees, right? You use some sort of weird tap on a tree and the maple syrup comes out. Also, fake maple syrup is the biggest disappointment. Like, I... When I stay in a hotel there's like two things that I always use as like ranking factors of how good it actually is when you know compared to like the reviews or the rating or the price it's like one is the maple syrup real or is it some fake maple syrup and two is the orange juice from concentrate or not I, I feel like I will happily be I'll just be happy with the hotel if it's fresh juice and real maple syrup you know there could be bed bugs. nah bed bugs suck There could could be so much more wrong with it, and as long as they got real maple syrup and real juice, I'm a happy camper. Producers often own thousands of sugar maple trees in their so-called sugar bushes, where much of the harvesting is still done by hand. When the time is right, the sugar maker will say the traditional thanks to the maple fairies, chant the secret syrup prayer to Canadians and Canadians alone, and bow to the forest 18 times in each direction. Oh, come on, Callum, now you're just being silly. After the ritual is complete, they go tree to tree, drilling into them to release the sugary sap from... This isn't real. I definitely know this isn't real. (laughs) Uh, But Callum isn't like, that's just a joke. (laughs) Canadians are like, you've never heard of this drilling into them to release the sugary sap from within in their so-called sugar shacks they then boil it down to the highly concentrated syrup it's that labor-intensive process and variable yield that makes one bottle of the good stuff so damn expensive even more so than crude oil in 2016 that sticky canadian commodity was worth 26 times more than bl- the black gold favored by texans and saudis alike yeah i mean everyone's that oil's expensive petrol's expensive yes but not compared to when like other things i one's are like how much you know more expensive printer ink is compared to oil. I would guess tens of thousands if not millions of times more expensive because no one buys a barrel of printer ink. A stunning 94% of Canadian maple syrup comes from the province of Quebec. That's 77 percent of the global supply back in the old days that supply would fluctuate wildly with the weather year on year along with price making it tough for producers to make a stable living that's why the federation came into being are they like controlling the market they're like hoarding it and releasing it to kind of manipulate supply and demand which feels like it should kind of be illegal but is also good for the producers and i guess the consumers long term so you know i guess that's you know good to have that maybe i don't stop commenting on it you don't know anything about it simon every heist movie needs a good villain it makes the audience feel a lot better if the heroes are stealing from a corrupt casino magnate. oh that's oceans 11 that's immediately what comes to mind that super villainous guy in oceans 11 rather than rummaging under a terrified pensioners mattress unless of course it's an evil pensioner so luckily for your conscience our story today has a nice inhuman corporate villain to jeer at the problem with corporate villains compared to real villains is corporations aren't evil they're not good they're not evil they're corporations they're profit driven people can be good people can be evil but corporations are just making money they're neutral they probably make money to the expense of other things which probably makes them bad overall except for the making money part um which is good this is complicated again simon stop talking because you don't know what you're talking about 1966 saw the formation of quebec's syrup industry governing body the aforementioned federation oh wait this is english federation of quebec maple syrup producers oh it's french actually the official title is la federation de producteurs acericola de quebec no idea if i'm pronouncing that right i got a c at gcse french because they speak some made-up nonsense language in their part of canada elven or something <laughs> Oh, Callum, the French-Canadians are going to come for us and the nation of France. Don't worry, we're British. We're ready. The FPAQ were instrumental in pushing the interests of Big Maple worldwide. It's largely down to them that you'll find Quebec syrup on the shelves around the world. Their marketing campaigns are specifically designed to push the region's pride and joy as part of an ancient tradition. Authentic, good, natural. Not like that disgusting sugar slot peddled by the contemptible bootlegger. Aunt Jemima. I don't know. Does Aunt Jemima make real Canadian, uh, real Canadian, real maple syrup, or is that fake? Shit? And yes, the people of Quebec are genuinely that snobby about syrup. Ostensibly, the federation's primary purpose is to manage the production and supply of maple syrup to maintain a healthy income for its members. Okay, cool. That's exactly what I thought. Not as dumb as I think. But in reality, they've been compared to an iron-fisted cartel who artificially fix prices and punish dissenters vigorously. This is, like, this is like maple syrup OPEC. Holy sht. Every one of the province's 13,500 producers has to answer to the Federation, sending their harvests to them for grading, sale, and stockpiling. From each barrel, the organization takes its $54 cut, and the tiny amounts that the sugar makers are allowed to sell direct to retail is also heavily cut into by the FPAQ. Anything over their yearly quota is stored in warehouses, like the one which Monsieur Yeroux almost plummeted to his death, or minor injury at least in. Producers can often wait years to see the profits from this stockpile, known as the Global Strategic Maple Syrup Reserve, as it's stored away for low-yield years. Strategic Maple Syrup Reserve makes it sound like, you know, some sort of absolutely essential life-giving, like, oh my god we've got to store oxygen for the lean years it's syrup i mean i've just bagged on how much the fake stuff sucks but if they were like there's no maple syrup or if they were like maple syrups three times as expensive as it is even in little i'd be like okay i guess i'm just gonna have honey on my pancakes aren't i and that will do let's just hope the bees don't go away that keeps up a sense of falsity, despite the fact that they're always sitting on a massive hoard a similar business tactic to the dragon smorg is that a Lord of the Rings reference? If it is, I don't get it. Maybe also Game of Thrones. Smorg? Smorg sounds more Lord of the rings i I've never seen Lord of the Rings, never read Lord of the Rings. I saw one, that was a lie, I saw the first one. It's very boring. <laughs> smash that dislike button if you're watching on youtube that also means that producers in quebec can't cash in during spikes in demand and you should be seething with anger right now because this dodgy dealing makes your breakfast more expensive yes there's a dark conspiracy to inflate the price of pancakes and a mad as hell all right callum chill out (laughs) clearly the province of quebec is under the control of an evil power mad sugar empire the crew You've already met the first of the thieves, Avik Karen, the insider. When it came for him to a time for him to assemble his team for the heist of the century, it wasn't short of sympathizers. Plenty of people in the industry would have jumped at the chance to rip off the Federation after years of stifling quotas and dropping competitiveness in the region. It's like, why are you stealing the maple syrup? It's got nothing to do with money. It's maple syrup ideology. By 2011, there was already a thriving black market in Quebec, though through which sugar makers sold their syrup beneath the radar of the Federation. I would definitely like, I'm always after my cheap maple syrup. I'd go find like the dodgy street corner the guy selling maple syrup for the inside of a long leather jacket. If any got caught, they faced ridiculously hefty fines, which were charged for each pound sold illegally, which makes it sound like they're shifting it by the gram in dodgy car parks. But the process wasn't quite as shady as that. Sometimes they would just sell straight to distributors, but these sales were easily detected by the lawyers at the FPAQ. Those who were really determined to stick it to the bureaucrats had to get a little bit more stealthy. Usually, these renegade producers would just roll their barrels into unmarked trucks in the dead of night and drive them from their rural sugar bushes to brokers these illicit middlemen could obscure the origin of the goods and sell them onto retailers who were often none the wiser there are maple syrup fences well i was absolutely joking about there being being hard to find a fence for maple syrup uh well apparently not so hard they already exist Also that the addicts of Canada could shoot up that thick, sickly syrup into their veins. Don't inject maple syrup and don't inject anything. (laughs) Definitely not maple syrup. This was the occupation of the second of our thieves, Richard Valieres, the roller. In the Quebec syrup underworld, a barrel roller is the name for these middlemen who broker under-the-table deals between rogue sellers and buyers. Caron needed an experienced partner who was going to pull off the job and Valieres was a veteran. He was known as the best of the best among barrel rollers and had been involved in the illicit trade for about 10 years. Within that time, things had gotten much harder for the Han Solo-esque sugar smugglers of Quebec. I see this written now as Han Solo. I only discovered within the last couple of months, and I posted about it on Twitter, that it's actually Han Solo rather than Han Solo. I was like, I just assumed he had a German name for the longest time because wow this is the episode where i've mentioned that i don't like Lord of the rings or star wars and uh, people who know me from my other shows already know this but everyone else who doesn't now probably hates me i just thought it was han solo i thought he was german for the longest time i was listening to a podcast and some guy kept calling him han solo like really specifically because you know han solo can sound like Hans, but, but he kept calling him han and i'm like dude you know less about star wars than i do ah and then i found out he was right and i'm an idiot There was far too much money on the line for the Federation to let the black market go unchallenged. They responded with the formation of a maple syrup Gestapo. (laughs) Holy Sending guards to lie and wait outside sugar maker's properties. This is so intense. Why rise up, rise up bourgeois. Sending guards to lie and wait outside sugar maker's properties. Holy this is so intense. I feel like (laughs) like the proletariat sugar makers need to rise up. Uh. Their inspectors launched raids on suspected black market producers seized business ledgers, checked bank accounts, and organized stings to catch brokers in the act. What The The resulting fines have seen people like Angelique Grenier, de facto rebel leader due to a long court battle, lose everything. She had her entire stock confiscated and was fined 500,000 Canada bucks for disobeying the Federation, the equivalent of about 400,000 in real American dollars. The evil empire had rigged the rules of the game and were ruining lives and livelihoods as a result. Well, yeah, but she also decided to sell, like, her maple syrup under the table against the rules of the organization that is forced upon her by someone. The Gestapo, the maple syrup. This is so weird. Um, gestapo gang or whatever it was called. Allegedly. That's why they were so detested by our third thief, Etienne St-Pierre, The Fence A bulk exporter by day, he was also another barrel roller and long opposed the Federation supporting the illicit sellers from Quebec by getting their product out of the province. The two ringleaders of the crime made contact with him knowing that, being based out of New Brunswick province to the east, he had the right connections to shift large quantities of syrup out of the province. And into the hands of retail. To do that, they needed the assistance of Etienne's employee and our fourth crew member, Sébastien Joutras, the driver. I'm so sorry, all of these French names are disastrously wrong, I know. I know. A trucker by trade, he would be the one to move, and people were like, why do not you look them up? It's I don't know because I'm enjoying reading the story and I don't want to. <laughs> A trucker by trade, he would be the one to move goods away from the warehouse and assist in transporting them from the province and away from the influence of the Federation. Yeah, get it out of there! It was actually Jutras who introduced the two ringleaders to each other. There's just one more member of our core team to introduce: the little monge- Montage, Raymond Valieres, the dad. I don't really have a cool nickname for Raymond's because he's just the father of Richard Valieras. And only really offered up his own sugar shack as a processing facility, being a sugar maker himself. Just so he doesn't feel left out, we'll call him (laughs) the most obvious name choice in the world the Sugar Daddy. (laughs) Callum, this is a bit. I hope. Are you pitching this as a screenplay somewhere? Because you bloody should. That completes the five man core team behind the heist, an unlikely bunch of candidates for most expensive heist in Canadian history. And in the beginning, they never had their sights set nearly that high. But as things started to go well for our crooks, they racked up a fantastic amount of riches from what was essentially a very simple plan. And they managed to do it without firing a single bullet taking a single hostage or hurting a single fly which is such a nice relief after the absolute brutality of what i feel were the last 20 something episodes of serial killing murder which i love but oh my god does it get a bit intense after a while the heist so now we get down to the nitty-gritty how does one go about moving full barrels of contraband without getting caught Okay, hang on. I'm gonna guess. Now the barrels were like there, but they were empty. So I'm guessing like someone drilled into them. Like I-, I said this earlier, like they tapped into them like a tree. They like ran a hose out and loaded it into some sort of you know, uh, big liquid carrying truck sort of thing. Right. That seems to be the smart way. Also, there's no security, so it's not going to be. Exactly like, you know, breaking into Fort Knox. One of all the heists are shotgun and car chases. Even if you were to bust into the warehouse in a balaclava and blast at the guards, you're still going to struggle to carry more than a few bottles worth of the goods away before the cops come. What they actually did was a lot smarter and a lot more low key than that. The gang started by renting out some space in the same warehouse, which meant they had valid access badges and keycards. This meant that the few security guards on site would think nothing of it when Karen, Valieres, and Yatras arrived in the middle of the night in late 2011. Sometime between midnight and sunrise, they accessed the warehouse and walked straight past their own little storage space towards the section reserved for the 16,000 barrels held by the Federation. They went completely unseen and unchallenged as they toppled several of the heavy barrels onto their sides and just rolled them out to the landing area, where an unnamed lookout waited alongside the truck. Okay, uh, I was wrong. They just fully wheeled barrels out, because why not? But they were empty. So maybe they eventually realized that this was too slow and they got to like, or too obvious and they got to figure something else out. If there had been any security cameras fixed at the warehouse, they would have shown something quite peculiar happening that evening. It appeared as if the thieves might have suffered a pang of regret because a short while after taking off with the goods, they brought them straight back again. They even rolled them right back, rolled them right back to the spot where they got them from. No, no, no they drain that maple syrup out and then they roll the barrels back in this is the worst guarded warehouse ever i just assumed this wouldn't be possible even with the minimal guards but what wasn't clear to the naked eye was that these barrels had now lost about 99.999% of their value. Cut to a short while before at Raymond Valieres Remote Sugar Shack HQ, a short way away from the warehouse. Calamis is writing a screenplay. When the barrels rolled up, the younger Valieres led the others in siphoning the contents out of the FPAQ's white barrels and into their own, markedly less sterile ones. Oh, lovely. Whenever new barrels were originally put into storage, the Federation were always diligent in checking and grading the syrup. However, the men knew that the subsequent inventory checks only focused on the weight of the barrels, not the contents. Anyone who ever drank their parents' vodka then topped it back up from the kitchen sink will know how to exploit that little loophole. Once the liquid gold was drained, they refilled the barrels with water from a pond on the property. That's all that was in them as Karen shuffled them into place back at the warehouse. Muddy pond water, which isn't half as nice on top of French toast, trust me. They got everything back to normal, still with plenty of time to spare before morning. Even if any Federation employees arrived that morning, the place would still look exactly the same and the barrels would appear completely undisturbed. Genius. I have to say, this Federation does seem very blasé about just 30 million dollars worth of maple syrup uh just sitting in this place and just not not having even like a -a rent-a-cop just sitting there with the barrels three guys on eight-hour shifts we no no, didn't want that the next step was actually to shift the cargo out of quebec without drawing any attention from law enforcement to do that etienne saint pierre simply rebranded the barrels to make it appear as if the syrup had come from new brunswick province which had far less strict regulations surrounding syrup production They kept the quantities low in order to avoid attention. Bear in mind, each of the barrels was many times more valuable than the same quantity of crude oil. That little bit of syrup laundering meant that they could shift the cargo to clean distributors in other provinces who had no idea it was stolen. You're probably wondering how many barrels we're talking about here. How many barrels of syrup can fit into a single truck? The answer is probably not enough to qualify as theft of the century, which is why the heist didn't just happen in one night. In fact, the thieves kept going back time and time again over the following months to score more syrup. According to statements made in court, everything was going smoothly until one night they were caught red-handed by a security guard. I mean, you do it once, then you'd be like, that was way too easy. I mean, we're just going to make a few grand off a little bit of syrup we stole. And then it's like, guys, should we do it again? And everyone's like, yeah, go on then. And then months go by and you store still not got caught. You're like, oh my god. We've committed major crimes now. The guards came across the men lifting barrels down the stairs with a forklift. <laughs> they also got bowled with the equipment, didn't they? And then stopped them in their tracks. They flashed their access passes, but that wasn't enough. They had to explain why the hell they were messing with another company's property. And of course, they didn't have a good answer. <laughs> so it's like, uh, uh, I can't think of anything. Oh, God, we're just borrowing it so the guard reported the ongoing theft to his supervisor but see the thing about small town security guards is that they're often quite badly underpaid the guard supervisor slipped him a bit of cash to stay quiet since he was already on the crook's payroll ah probably brought on board after a rousing speech about liberation from oppressive syrup cartels yeah yeah it was brought on because of the uh, the revolution it definitely had nothing to do with the bribe he was just one of many new players who had allegedly become wrapped up in the plot, helping to steal, process, and transport the syrup. Things continued on without a hitch for the better part of an entire year. Ah, epic. That's a hell of a lot of syrup and a hell of a lot of cash. Unable to put it in the bank or blurt it on speedboats. The men had piles of cash hidden around their homes in shoeboxes. It's like the Breaking Bad problem. He's just got that garage full of cash. It's like, what can we do with it? nothing literally we have a small uh what was it um the car wash to launder this we can't launder billions of dollars waltz you're goddamn right how long could this whole charade last though The syrup thieves must have known that they were building a house of cards that would inevitably collapse one day when the theft was inevitably discovered. How long until some bottling plant off in Montreal or abroad taps their barrel to find nothing but slightly sweetened pond water inside? But when you're stacking shoeboxes of cash in your wardrobe, that reality seems like a distant concern. After all, these reserves often sit for years upon years, waiting for a shortfall in production. By the time they entered circulation, the men could be off lounging on a beach somewhere far away from the chilly forests of Canada that to do that though you need a lot of shoeboxes of cash to make yourself like disappear and go live on some like Island somewhere <laughs> like on the beach drinking cocktails I feel like that requires a lot more money than people generally think it does like I don't getting a new identity I've seen spy movies it doesn't seem very easy the more immediate concern was the inspectors it would have been a nervous day for the thieves the first time they watched the FPAQ lackey pull up outside the facility to check on the goods what if they had slipped up somewhere? What if a barrel was damaged without explanation, or the inspector decided to crack one open on a whim? But for some reason, that day just never came. As it turns out, the Federation only ordered their stock once a year. It's $30 million worth of… can you imagine? Just having $30 million worth of shit in a room somewhere, and it's not very well protected you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll just check in it once a year. No big deal. No big deal at all. What an idiot! Oh, what a loser! So, the thieves essentially had free run of the place until then, all that extra work in returning and repositioning the barrels, and it wasn't even that urgent after all. Suddenly, it started to feel like an unnecessary precaution. By that point, they knew they could actually afford to keep the barrels away for far longer without anyone noticing, so when the pond at the original HQ froze over, they moved production to an industrial unit in Montreal. You're like upping your crime game. Eventually, they decided they could drain a lot more barrels a lot faster if they just siphoned the syrup out of them at the warehouse itself. Ah, oh, it there we go. Now, as you all know, the two golden rules of heists, whether long or short, are don't get sloppy and don't get greedy. And certainly, do not get both. Sometimes I do wonder if we're just providing the criminal guide on Casual Criminals. One day the FBI is going to be like, hey Whistler, stop telling criminals what to do, alright? But that's exactly what happens to our team of thieves. To hear them tell it the more accomplices they introduced to the con the lazier the whole operation became some short-sighted individuals decided that refilling the barrels with water was pointless and started <laughs> returning them to the stacks empty what were the odds that an inspector would touch that specific barrel after all and well we know how that turned out the bust we began this episode with the story of Michel Gavereau in July 2012, who climbed up the stack of barrels in the warehouse and almost tumbled to the floor when one started tipping under his weight. After that grand revelation, he then went about inspecting more of them, finding time and time again that they were empty or showed signs of wear and rusting, unusual for containers of liquid sugar that should never have left the dry, squeaky, clean warehouse. He opens one of these damaged barrels only to find water inside and immediately reported the missing stock to his superiors. Oh, <laughs> he's like, like guys got a bit of bad news that 30 million dollars worth of shit that we only check up on once a year Someone nicked it. <laughs> <laughs> the gang would have known that their little golden era was over when Karen's wife received a phone call from the warehouse. There were cop cars crawling all over the place. The police arrived at the same time as the Federation's own investigators there to conduct an emergency audit and tally the damage done. The rest of that week was spent arduously checking every single barrel in the place. Their drawers dropped progressively lower and lower as more and more barrels were revealed to be entirely empty. Or water filled, entire stacks of tampered barrels stretching up to the roof, entire sections of the warehouse filled with nothing but gallons upon gallons of H2O. All in all, a ridiculous 10,000 barrels of syrup missing. <coughs> That's 540,000 gallons, or a stunning 12.5% of the entire Federation reserve. That is an insane amount of maple syrup. To put that in perspective, 540,000 gallons of syrup is roughly the same volume as 540,000 gallon jugs of whiskey or 540,000 gallon jugs of milk. Dude, there's no new information there. Let me check my notes. How about this? If you put all of that syrup into Coke cans and stacked them on top of each other, they'd stretch up to 755 kilometers high. Is that more useless information? No, it's not. It's Calum says absolutely no that's insane that's well into space right that's a lot of maple syrup so let's move on to the good stuff the value of all that liquid gold at the time it would have sold for around 18 million Canada bucks which exchanged for almost the same USD back in 2012. no matter how ridiculous the theft of a foodstuff may sound on paper 18 million dollars is no joke. Little wonder that the press gave the crime its own catchy nickname, the great Canadian Maple Syrup Heist, or Vol de Reblo de If you want to get all fancy, which I didn't, because I I I just I just rolled into sarcastic French voice there. And when that much money and media attention is involved, you can bet that the authorities will come out with a real show of force, putting our plucky thieves on the receiving end of one of the biggest investigations the province has ever seen. I really hope they get away with it. <laughs> Callum painted this federation as such dicks, and these heroes, heroes as such like, eh, kind of just lovable rogues. And uh, yeah, I mean, I get the feeling they're not gonna get away with it, but maybe. Oh, I don't think so. The might of the federation and law enforcement was about to come down with full force. The resulting investigation was headed up by the Surette de Quebec police with the help of the US customs department and the good old Canadian Mounties. From the outset, it was clear that this must have been some inside job, so they started looking at the other tenants of the building to see who would have had consistent access to the reserves long enough to steal 6.2 million Coke cans worth. The cops started a dragnet campaign of questioning, bringing in almost 300 people for interviews. This included everyone associated with the warehouse, tenants, employees, owners, as well as figures in the syrup black markets. <laughs> I just still love that this is a thing. And within the network of people who the thieves had implicated in their dealings over the past year there were more than a few weak links yes because as we've discussed on casual Criminals many times if you're gonna do crimes don't involve other people unless you absolutely have to and if you absolutely have to keep it very small and keep it to people you trust i think i hear the fbi knocking The information from these interviews were used to obtain a total of 40 search warrants for the homes and vehicles of all involved. Karen, Vallierez, Jotras, Vallierez, Senior, even Etienne, Saint-Pierre's warehouse in New Brunswick were raided. And during those searches, the officers recovered some damning evidence. Those shoeboxes full of cash looked very incriminating indeed, as were the burner phones which the masterminds had been using to orchestrate the syndicate's activities. The shoeboxes full of cash reminds me, I, I live in Prague, the health minister here a few years ago, he went to prison because they he was involved in some corruption and they found like shoe boxes just filled with money in his house like on a raid and he was like nah i don't know how they got there <laughs> and eventually they were like you they, they were fr- they were bribes and he was like they weren't bribes and then the court said they were and he went to jail for like many years he's still in prison i think pretty sure allegedly yeah just shoe boxes of money suspicious suspicious And on the properties of Valier Sr. and Saint saint atien were piles of the stolen maple syrup yet to be sold into circulation. The noose was well and truly tied for our team of crooks, and it grew tighter around the next as autumn came and went, and the evidence mounted up. Eventually, in December 2012, Karen Valieres and Valier Sr. were all arrested. The other two, along with multiple accomplices, soon followed. Greed, clumsiness, and a sheer lack of foresight had brought a perfect plan crumbling down, so our heroes found themselves headed to the courtroom rather than a tropical island when the trials began in 2017. It really sounds like they just screwed up the exit. It's like, great, the crime's all good, and it keeps going on, and you keep gathering all of this money. I feel like you really need an exit plan. At what point are you... What do you do with all this money in shoeboxes? Like, you gotta... You can't just use it, right? You gotta, like get a car wash and like breaking bad that shit. and then it, but they weren't doing any of this so what are they they're just waiting to get caught the longer it goes on the more likely you're going to get caught eventually that's just going to approach certainty the trials so what do you do when you're caught with your hands smeared with illicit maple syrup and facing the wrath of big business with nowhere to turn Well, you lie, of course. You lie your absolute heart out. If your Richard Valliere is the roller, you tell the court that you wanted no part in the plan in the first place. You plead not guilty and weave a wild tale about how instigator Avicaron refused to let you back out of the scheme, forcing you into working with him with a gun to your head. You say that you feared for your family's safety and only stole the syrup to quell this syrup-tweaking maniac's insatiable thirst for the good stuff. That doesn't go well for you. (laughs) You end up being convicted for theft, fraud, trafficking, and whacked with an absolutely mammoth $606,000 uh, and 501,000 Canadian dollar fine. But since the court rules that the goods can't be recovered and you actively admitted to making a cool 10 million dollars off the crime, they raise that fine to an incredible 9.4 million. That's more than most people could earn in five lifetimes or more. Wait, so. They're like, okay, you stole all this money, Your fine is that amount of money. That doesn't really sound like a punishment so far. I'm assuming there's some jail time attached to this, because that's an extraordinary amount of stuff to steal. You'll have to work a lot of hours in the prison laundry to scrape that together, but thankfully you'll have plenty of time, because accompanying that fine is an eight-year prison sentence to be upgraded to 14 years if you don't pay your dues. So, so, 14 years, because unless he spent none of that, even if he's just spent a million bucks of that money. It's going to be really hard to earn a million dollars while you're in prison. And by really hard, I mean impossible. Of all the people involved in the heist, Paul Richard got the brunt of it, being the one with the knowledge and skills to actually make it happen. Sure, his fine was eventually reduced to a, closer to $1 million after being run through the Court of the appeal, of Appeals, but the Quebec prosecutors recently got the go-ahead to take it all the way to the Supreme Court. If he's unlucky, Mr. Valera's will be saddled with the full amount again by the time he walks free. It's 40. It's how much money was it? Like $9.4 million dollars? What's he going to do? I mean, he's never going to make that much money, so he might as well just give up on ever making money. I mean, that's it, right? I mean, it's just not going to happen. As for the others, they got off comparatively lightly when you consider the barrel roller's fate. Avic Karen, the insider, was the last to be tried, and seeing the way his old accomplice was run over by the legal freight train, he apparently got the message. He first tried to paint a picture of diminished responsibility, claiming to the cops that the Montreal Mafia was eventually involved, providing equipment and drivers. If those guys really did get on board, it would have been tough for Karen to call time. the thefts however he eventually decided to take the easy route and and rather than implicating murderous mafia members pled guilty on the advice of his lawyers he was probably hoping for a bit of house arrest or probation but the judge uh that day was not in a forgiving kind of mood karen was sentenced to five years and a 1.2 million dollar canadian fine that's uh that's pretty heavy you would be like house arrest house arrest five years oh no come on come on five years in my house no prison As soon as he heard that, he snapped in anger, demanding to change his plea. Mate, that's not how it works. He said his lawyers had misled him into admitting his guilt. But the judge invoked the ancient legal rule of no take-backs, and Karen became even more furious. He swore at the judge, slammed his fist against the door to his prisoner's box, and swung at the bailiff who came to restrain him. As for the others, Sebastian Jatras, the driver, flipped on his buddies early on, and only served eight months in prison. Wow, these guys, I mean, I know they stole a lot of s***, but these do are like fairly heavy sentences. For, like stealing syrup from the maple syrup cartel allegedly And to also the fence denied any involvement saying that he never knew the barrels in the warehouse were stolen regardless he and raymond valieres the sugar daddy went down on trafficking and fraud charges and got two years house arrest followed by three on probation that's 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 the more so that's what you want really <laughs> it's like house arrest just chill at home i mean during it'd be better if it was many what was this 2011 2012 it'd be better if it was a good eight years later Then you got that sweet COVID time. It's like, oh no, house arrest, what a shame, I didn't have to go out and get ill. Ray was due a modest $9,840 to be paid within one year, or he'd go to jail for six months. The fence got the same deal, but was required to pay $1.3 million within 15 years, with a five-year prison penalty. If it went unpaid. Despite the fact that the others reportedly collaborated with the crooks along the way and a total of 26 were arrested, it appears as if these five were the only ones to actually be convicted of the caper. Let that be a lesson to the lot of you. The harsh fines and harsher sentences dealt down to big players in this Canadian crime of the century sent a message to anyone thinking about messing with the supply of Quebec's sweetest produce in the future. And that's don't f- with big syrup. That's another lesson <laughs> the casual criminal, this list of rules. WRAP UP That about wraps things up for today, but one big question remains. What happened to the syrup? The Federation, it got deliciously consumed all over the world. The Federation had taken a major hit to its reserves, which in reality wasn't technically owned by the big cartel at all. It really belonged to the producers who were waiting for them to sell it in dry years. And in reality, the stability of the sea… Yeah, I guess that's… They're not really stealing from the Federation, are they? The Federation's just looking after it. For all of these people who probably want to sell it but can't. They're really stealing from the small maple syrup sugar people. What are they called? Sugar shacks? Something like that. And in reality, the st- stability of the syrup cartel actually suits a lot of these producers fine enough, so long as nobody goes in and steals their shit from the warehouses. Let's not dwell on that, though. It kind of spoils the Hollywood anti-hero story that I'm weaving here. By the time the crime was discovered, the majority of the stolen syrup was long gone. Much of what couldn't be recovered from the fence's warehouse was already mixed in with the legitimate supply, maybe even sitting on the shelves of supermarkets. Consumers around the world had no idea they were pouring stolen contraband on their pancakes. Maybe that's how my little pancake, uh, my little maple syrup is so cheap. That's where the contraband one goes. Not really. Just a joke. But not all of it was lost. The cops were still able to follow the trail to some of the most recently stolen barrels. The biggest find was a stock of hundreds of them waiting in the warehouse of an exporter in New Brunswick. Some more dribs and drabs popped up around that province and another batch down in Vermont at a candy maker's factory. But even when you take these off the tally, the crime was still the most valuable in Canadian history. Adjusted for inflation, it's closer to 23 million Canada bucks today, or 18 million real bucks. And. I also have one last piece of pointless mathematics up my sleeve. How exciting! If you're into that kind of thing, oh yes. The total caloric value of the heist was a stunning 6.8 billion calories of sugar. That's roughly 80% of the average American family's weekly intake. True jaw-dropping stuff. As for the state of Quebec's wildest, most glamorous industry today… It's much the same as when our crook set out to stick it to the man according to the national post in 2018 the sugar rebels have run out of steam their legal costs and fines are astronomical forcing them to sell off all their assets and become an exile in less regulated ontario or new brunswick or the northeastern united states in other words the evil empire is one so it's time we rose up and made our voices heard. In the spirit of the great Canadian maple syrup heist, if you want to resist the oppressive power of the Federation, we can do our part by going to our local supermarkets, loading up with a trolley of maple syrup and making a break for it. Just be sure to yell, Viva le Quebec Libra! as you dart out of the door. Don't do that. That's theft. You're going to get in trouble. Someone like some security guard is going to take you down. You're going to get arrested and you're going to get like a big theft fine saying that the federation you did to fight the federation Who's none of it makes any sense <laughs> so that's where we end today's episode i do hope you enjoyed it uh if you're watching on youtube smash that like button make sure you're subscribed if you're listening as a podcast subscribe leave a review if you can it's mostly itunes i think uh maybe stitcher some other platforms allow reviews which i love thank you so much i do read the reviews we have like a 4.9 stars out of five which is amazing. And I think we took a bit of it because someone was like, it's not downloading. That's not, don't give me a one star because your podcast app doesn't work. What the f***? Um, Thank you so much. See you next time.